0: I learned that as long as you can listen to what people need, you can actually find a solution for most spaces. Welcome to Energy Sense, the podcast that explores the
1: most fascinating trends, news, and ideas in energy efficiency. I'm Jason roop here with uh, the Chief Energy Officer at VLED, Chris Rawlings, and he has brought along someone uh, new to the company. We thought we'd talk with Dane Acton about what it's like to transition into a job like this when you aren't in the industry. How are
2: you guys doing? Hey, Jason. How's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me today.
1: Why don't you start out with, because I think it's interesting, the, the story about where you all came from. You've worked together
2: before in a completely different field. How did you all meet? Well, Dane and I met, uh, I guess it was a little over 10 years ago. I don't want to date us right now, but uh, we were both bartenders and just hit it off. Always, uh, you know, had a great time at work and ended up reconnecting a little bit. About a year ago, year and a half ago, yeah,
0: worked in the same restaurant about a block away from here. It's funny uh, we haven't gone too far away from where we first met <laughs> almost thirteen years ago. Um, we were working late nights together, managing crowds and and people and and personalities, and went our different paths. And now we've we've reconnected right here in uh, VLED. Yeah, I forgot it is it is literally
1: right around the corner. Uh, where you all are working, you know, into the wee hours of the night. I'm sure you have a lot of stories that are not appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> That's <laughs> correct. That is correct. <laughs> you know, one of the things we're seeing is a lot of people are coming into the energy industry now, especially. After the pandemic, when people are looking for new opportunities or reassessing new challenges,
0: Dane, what led you to this job? Well, I think like a lot of the rest of the world, lives shifted, um, changed all throughout last year. And I was I was a victim of that myself. Uh, My last job was a commercial restaurant equipment rep. I would travel the state and I would work with schools, municipalities, restaurants and put them in a position to buy high end restaurant equipment. I was laid off back in July as we saw the pandemic take about 70 percent of the restaurant industry's sales um, down the drain. So last one in the door, first one out the door for that and reached out to Chris on, on LinkedIn, realized we had some some good connections as far as the sales networking goes and started back in August of last year. Been here almost a year now. So, Chris, who are you? Who are you looking to hire when you have
1: openings like this? Your business is growing. You've been hiring a lot of people.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we had had that job opening for a few months, uh, even even prior. I think it opened up in like February, so it was prior to the pandemic. And it just so happened that you know we had a pretty successful pivot into indoor air quality uh, with with COVID and a new focus on that and. I was in need pretty quickly to, to capture the business that was coming our way, uh, thankfully hadn't, having done some, some bigger projects with silver diner and folks like that and getting the PR. Uh, we just need to be able to handle the the incoming work. And when, when Dane reached out, it was timing and, uh, we reconnected, it caught up like we had, you know, never even, you know, had that gap. And I just, really look for, I go with my gut when I meet people. And when I met Dane, I, I knew he had the the charisma about him. I knew he would be good with people, but he also had a technical background that I was not even aware of as far as being in kitchen equipment sales, looking at specification sheets, looking at Energy Star ratings and understanding energy efficiency in regards to that. There was a lot of crossover there. So I was super excited to to bring him on. I wouldn't say anything is a seamless transition, but this one has been
0: very easy. Working with an old friend of mine um, on a technology that is not too different from what I've been in the background the last two years. Got in immediately, started learning, started digging in the projects that they've they've worked on, kept going with new customers, branching out to, to new areas and, and learning about the jobs and different technical aspects. Dane, what are your job responsibilities here? How would you describe what you do as sales manager here, my job is really customer relations and learning more about the projects that we're working on, the spaces, the buildings. So, I'll reach out to building managers, um, general managers of, of different size facilities, find out more about their floor plans, their mechanical drawings, their structures, kind of the way the buildings are treated.
1: And we're talking about uh, not only energy efficiency, but what else? What are you selling?
0: Also, uh ultraviolet lighting for air purification to make interior safer.
1: It brings to mind this uh, project that you all did recently that really pulled from both of your backgrounds and dealt with uh, some pandemic related issues when you did the Silver Diner project, the chain of Silver Diner restaurants. So let's tell people what that project was about and what your roles were.
2: So Silver Diner reached out in June of last year inquiring about indoor air quality solutions and after discussions with them over a few weeks, wanted to immediately roll out uh, the project to 20 of their locations across the Virginia, Maryland, D.C. area. So we knew we needed some help from a project management standpoint and kind of supply chain and logistics and all that. So Dane got thrown to the wolves a little bit <laughs> when he first got here. Yeah, the project was already pretty much installed
0: and wrapped up by the time I got here. My job was really to coordinate with the managers and the uh, the owners of the restaurant and say, okay, what do we need to do to keep your customers healthy? What do we need to do to keep these systems up and running? So I would set up maintenance schedules and contracts. We'll go out um, every every 90 days. We'll swap out filters. We'll make sure the machines are working clean. And then I kind of coordinate with the managers if they have any questions about their operations. If any of their customers have questions, I'll go and I'll reach out to them as well. So I'm kind of, after Chris spearheaded the project, I'm just kind of monitoring it as it goes for 20 different locations.
1: I would think that the language you spoke in your your years with the restaurant industry was helpful when you were having to go back and forth with managers get into
0: the building it's a good thing that i was in the restaurant industry because i can go and talk to the back of the house the same way i can talk to the front of the house there's i understand what they deal with every day understand what their customers needs are and how hard it is to be a restaurant employee especially in a pandemic yeah just a little bit of understanding about how they get through their day and, and help them to make provide a space for their customers to feel comfortable and safe There is a a local venue that
1: includes a restaurant, the Common House, too, that you recently wrapped up. Uh, can you tell us about that?
0: Common House was a big project for us. We were, uh, we were excited to do some some things for them. They are one of the most progressive spaces in the city as far as a, a holistic pro- approach to indoor air quality. They've done wall-mounted air purifiers of two different sizes. They've done inline duct, which treats all the building, all the incoming air. And considering that is a four-story building with a lot of different spaces, uh, that was a fun one to kind of break down and custom design that building this might be a little technical question for Chris,
1: but um, you know when we're talking about. Adding new systems to buildings, you all are having to deal with the whole building um, energy flow and the usage. How do you do that?
2: Yeah, well, usually to, to break down the process, the first thing we do is look at the current system and how can we optimize the current system with with minor tweaks and changes. So a lot of HVAC systems have been neglected over the years at different spaces, and so a lot of times we're just getting it up to par, and then we're we're trying to figure out how we can optimize it through what we call retro commissioning. So we're making sure that all the vents and valves and everything are opening and shutting the way they're supposed to. Uh, we're making sure that the airflow is where it needs to be, X amount of air changes per hour, per room, that sort of thing. And then we're looking at what can we add on to it, whether it's uh, variable frequency drives or air purification systems within you know, the rooms or improved filters, that sort of thing. We're finding that a lot of people can come into
1: this industry with other skills that are transferable. What are you noticing in the industry with people who are coming in and making that transition?
2: Well, I would say I'm, I'm the same way, right? So I have a, an aviation background, but the technical experience that I got in aviation really helped me get into this industry. And then obviously started with lighting and springboarded from there. So I think there's a lot of uh, similarities with other industries, so I think the transition into this industry, once you kind of narrow down your focus, can be pretty seamless compared to other career shifts that, that you might make. And, Dane, what did you find, as you
1: know, you're know, you the person who,
2: um, who made the transition, too,
1: what were some of the things you learned, maybe some things that were surprising to you in this uh, new job?
0: I learned there are opportunities in a lot of buildings to to improve on their interior spaces. Um, I learned that as long as you can listen to what people need, you can actually find a solution for most spaces. How about the science? I know that's one thing that's interested you. You've mentioned to me. 10 years ago, I knew about UVA uh, lighting. I had no idea there was UVB, UVC, and then the, uh, the scientific possibilities of, of these different wavelengths of light. Uh, so much to learn from all the different university studies and, and the way that we can transition this into the technology and our equipment. has been awesome to grasp all of that.
1: So this is something that's approachable for people. They can they can come on board uh, in
0: a business like this and, and learn these things. You don't have to be a scientist. You don't have to be a scientist. The information is out there. You just have to dedicate some time. I mean, again, studies are prevalent. You just have to say, OK, I'm going to get into this technology that's been around for hundreds of years. Just have to read what people have done, because now the pandemic's here. This technology is at the forefront of everyone's conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to understand that, you know, we have some amazing partners that have multiple degrees and professional engineering certifications and things like that. You know, we tend to focus on more niche uh, certifications like, you know, with the Association of Energy Engineers or U.S. Green Building Council or uh, International Well Building Institute, th- these sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've, I told Dane when I hired him, I said, you know, we really approach everything with our company. From a scientific standpoint, if there's peer-reviewed studies, if there's case studies, if there's you know manufacturers that are providing you all of the information that you're requesting, if there's third-party testing studies and standards that we um, you know make sure our products go through that due diligence that we do with our supply chain, with our partners, with our products is very intense. And so I told them that there would be a lot of homework, there'd be a lot of reading, uh, some. Maybe boring papers uh, that, that you're not used to, but especially someone in a sales role, you have to give them enough information to where they feel confident to sell what they're selling. And especially during a pandemic when it's a it's a very sensitive topic. You know, we've seen in recent news what happens when you put profits over people and you start selling things uh, just to make a buck. And I wanted to make it, it very clear that that's not the way that, that we were going to do things here at VLED.
0: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about consistency of the science <laughs> that that we offer in our products, because everyone's seen everything from Amazon handheld lights and all of these different things touting UV, germicidal, UVGI. But we really have to say, what can we prove? What can we show that our equipment can do? How can we make it standardized for our customers? Because we can sell anything that's out there, but we're only going to put our name on what the science says, what the studies say, what we can show, what the effect we can actually have on these pathogens, viruses. So it took a lot of time to research the products that we could possibly sell to narrow it down to items that we could really stand behind and say, this works. This is how it works.
1: And really, you're Dane. I guess you you're finding yourself in a position to break things down and explain them on, on one level, you're dealing with the technical side of things, but then you have to explain these studies in a way that's gonna make sense to their particular business.
0: And uh, you're right about that. I'm guilty of diving a little too deep because I've been kind of drinking through the fire hose, if you will, from all this <laughs> technology. And when I relate it to a customer, sometimes I'll get a, I'll lose them a little bit in the clouds and get a little too, too deep in, into what we can do, but we have a great team here. So what I'm working with customers it's great to have the team that we have that can show our customers the way the technology works. We have a good way to show the customers this, this technology and information that might be too confusing and break it down to layman's terms to help them understand how we can, we can help there. Their buildings
1: can you walk me through a project that you recently worked on maybe from start to finish that you were proud of and and how that went just to give people an idea of what this job entails
0: so we wrapped up a uh, city of hyatt'sville maryland it was a big project for us they had three buildings um, that they wanted to get back to full occupancy for their for the people of the city for the their workers uh there so we did a, a a park that has a lot of interior uh, theme nights and things of the sort, so the community gets together. They haven't been able to do that since the pandemic started. So they said, how can we get back to normal? We were able to put air purifiers in their building, make the spaces safer. Then we went right onto the municipal building where we had hundreds of employees. Um, City council meets there, the mayor's office, and no one felt safe until we were able to get them back into these working areas. They have a brand new public works building that they want to bring up to speed before that went. So that project was was interesting because we had older buildings with a mix of newer buildings, and we were able to use our technology and our equipment to, to provide them safer spaces throughout.
1: That's really interesting. Take me through what it took to accomplish it.
0: Step one is we meet virtually with the decision makers there and we say, what do you want to accomplish? What level of sanitation are you going to be comfortable with your building and getting your employees and occupants back in that space? Step two, we get floor plans. We get technical plans. We come through those and see what we might need for the spaces. We have a good idea before we go. Step three is going to the buildings, actually walking the spaces, seeing how the air transfers, seeing where the doors, windows, vents are all positioned. Take pictures, take notes, and then come back for a little bit of time and draw it up a good plan before we present it to the customer.
1: And what was the time length of this project from start to finish?
0: We started working with Hyattsville um, early in the fall, and we had the proposal ready to go by Christmas. So I'd say about about 10 weeks from start to finish, considering there were three buildings with about probably 140,000 square foot of space we were treating. So it was a bigger project. It took a little bit more time to put together. Chris, what did you
1: uh, what did you learn about Hyattsville? Was this a, a I mean, you all have worked with municipalities before?
2: Yeah, so it was actually, it was a real pleasure working with uh, Hal and the folks at City of Hyattsville. They're very easy to deal with. They got us the information uh, that we needed in a a timely manner. So it was just interesting to see the diversity of the spaces, looking at the rec center, looking at the office buildings, um, you know, police stations, different things like that. So when you're talking about this project, it sounds like you played a number
1: of roles from from customer relations to, you know, coming up with ideas to the technical specs to project management. So it sounds like people you hire need to be able to kind of go in and out of those different Yeah, different absolutely.
2: Roles. And that's really due to the way that we're set up as a company. We have what's called like the seller-doer model. So um, we don't want customer to have to deal with four or five different people throughout the process. One person that does sales, one person that does this, does that. We really form a, a pod or a team around that project with the salesperson being the lead. So they'll always be the point of contact for the customer so all uh, even the technical stuff would flow through dane any of the the maintenance procedures or replacement parts or different types of solutions you know obviously we have the engineering team that works on the engineering and designing the solutions but as far as information that dane would know it, it all flows back through him and he gets to to handle that project from start to finish so he might not be in the minutia of You know, calculating the measurements and, you know, doing the design work on the back end with one of our programs or something like that. But he's going to know to answer pretty much 90 percent of the questions that the customer might have dane what are some of the things that you're looking forward to as your
0: role grows here i'm looking to see this entire company grow everything is changing so quickly in a good way we're branching out from what we have our base indoor air quality led lighting now we're going more to environmental and energy management we're looking to reduce utility costs for companies we're learning more about the way buildings can be healthy Um, as a matter of fact i'm working on my well ap certification very excited about that so Maybe be a well assessor one day what's uh, in the forefront of green buildings. What is that? What is for people who don't know? It's all about the way a building flows, the healthiness of the building and its occupants. So you talk about nourishment, lighting, sound, um, even nutrition for a building and the way that you can create these spaces for people to get back to work and create healthier people through the way these buildings are designed.
2: So Well AP is a, a rating that the International Well Building Institute uh, out of New York uh, came up with to really focus on the health and well-being of the occupants. But a lot of it is based off of the the LEED accreditation through the U.S. Green Building Council. So you have a lot of that training mixed in with the WELL-AP training. Uh, but again, just adds a focus on the health and well-being of the occupants. So like Dane mentioned, like nourishment and nutrition and kind of the way that occupants uh, respond to the indoor environment lighting things of that nature. As somebody who's looking at this from outside of the industry, to me, it seems like
1: uh, people are really seeing how all this works together. That energy isn't kind of over here in a silo, that it really is part of going back to work, the air quality of schools, your children, you know, it's all related. So it sounds like that brings it all together.
2: So as an engineer, we obviously look at systems and run comparisons and run numbers, but it's really about... The occupants of the building as well, right? That's a huge piece to any business, and whether that's your employees or your customers. So I think people are starting to realize the relation between the building systems and the occupants, and how important it is for them to not only run efficiently uh, from a saving standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, but how those systems create a healthy environment for the occupants. Well, final question to Dane um, for you know we've talked a lot about
1: people transitioning into this industry, what uh, advice do you have for people who never thought about getting a job in the energy field?
0: My advice to you would be, it's out there, the information you can learn about these technologies. Uh, Just take some time, do a little research and and get with like-minded people to get you in the right field. Thanks, guys. I think this is of interest to a lot of people as the workforce changes and the
1: energy uh, industry is growing so much and people are hiring. So that does it for today's edition of the Energy Sense podcast. I'm Jason Roop here with Chris Rawlings and Dane Acton. We thank you guys uh, for being here and we hope you'll subscribe and share our podcast with somebody who might be interested. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.